mean, maybe even like it's the some house music is kind of still follows the, that same formula. Like it's <laughs> house music's just one part typically. <laughs> typically, but they're not always like. Uh, I think I guess it, the poppy it's, ha- it's, house music. It's the psychological need for repetition. Yeah, I want to hear the familiar. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I <laughs> wow. Thanks for that, Bill. Stand up and proudly say, God bless you. God bless my Bill of Rights. God bless my Bill of Rights. I've got a shame to see that spouse. And I'm not proud to admit on camera and on the internet. But I will never talk to you. Listening to a smooth jam like that and watching a plane <laughs> smash into the North Tower. <laughs> it's a bit of a uh, mind fuck. Uh, isn't that nice? Uh, I recognize that. I, I can't put my finger on who it is. Beck. Oh, that was Beck? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So every once in a while, like my, well, either my Bluetooth won't connect to my truck. Really? Or, <laughs> I know, it's the strangest <laughs> thing. I'm sure you've never experienced that. Nah. Or, uh, or my sawzall, mm-hmm. um, as <laughs> yeah, some right. cases. Um, or I'm in my mini and it doesn't have that <clears throat> capability, so I listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, there isn't a station for Beck. As popular as he was and as much of a, you know, some might call him a genius. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, there isn't a. You turn on the classic rock station, and it will be <laughs> the. I always think that same twenty-five songs. It is not allowed on my job sites. I was like, no, <laughs> there's no classic rock because who? Twenty it, years ago, I tried, yes. I try to get in the, the, the mind of someone. Taking care of business, like, oh, dude, I love this. Like, dude, <laughs> who? Needs to hear this song again. Everybody's working <laughs> for the week. Yeah, okay. Friday. Am I, I right? It's Friday. Let's <laughs> we were just talking about Loverboy. I was all, man, the bandana to member ratio of that band was just a skew. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. The DJ, I always like imagine the DJ sitting in the booth during that uh, classic rock. Yeah, career. I guess I was gonna say hour, but no. It's like every single day that person goes in. They must have like 
the headphones are that they're wearing are not playing the music that they're listening to. Yeah. Right. They're listening to a podcast and there's just like a timer or something that goes off and they, hey, that was a lover board for the weekend, right? Am I right? It is Friday. TGIF, everybody. Just a, like a tile of blow next to his computer. Like <laughs> a Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned and a loaded handgun. <laughs> Oh my god! I I listen now to the classic rock station just for we the five and five here coming up after the break. Who wants to hear a little Black Dog by Led Zeppelin? I know this guy does. Oh my god! I mean, how do those guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that is that is a strange. I listen to it now just to kind of try to wrap my head around just loading the... mags under the table. Like today's the fucking day. <laughs> If Debbie from accounting comes in here one more fucking time, <laughs> it's got to be the most cake job ever, too, though, right? There is no Debbie from accounting. Yeah. Like, you have no accounts payable or receivable. It's just some guy takes care of the advertising. You just sit in there spinning the exact same record. They don't even, do, they don't even do that. Like they just sit in front of a computer. The music generates itself. Ugh, what a nightmare. Remember back in the day, you, we used to be able to, you could call in and request Something, but remember what a shame yes. that was because radio stations, any corporate radio station, was being paid to play specific things. I've talked about this before. Like thick back in the '60s, is when uh, record A and R guys were bribing DJs to play mm-hmm. their music on the radio. They get the the record in the envelope and they'd shake it and they'd hear a wad of cash sliding back and forth. And then the saying was, "Sounds like a hit." That's uh-huh. where that saying came from. So it always. Once you learn that, you know, when you're 12 or whatever, like, well, they're, the DJ's not going through a bunch of records, like, playing. If it's a corporate radio station, they're going, like, this is what you're playing, and you're going to play it on a repeat, and here's your rotation. And then they, they still have the audacity to have the request line. It's like they just yeah. keep waiting for someone, like, hey, Jenny and Arcata, what can I do for you? Like, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear working for the weekend. Okay, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Could you play Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> I was hoping you would request. I have not heard that in at least six hours. <laughs> Dude, I want to uh, thank you for something. You're welcome. Um, I walk around now with a little bit different mindset than I, I used to have. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in the grocery store and I see somebody wearing a mask... Mm-hmm. I used to just look at that person and in my head, I would just say, nice mask, faggot. And <laughs> <laughs> I said in my head, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then ever since you told the head box story, mm-hmm. it's changed my outlook on, yeah. the, uh, on the world and, and those people. And I actually have like sympathy empathy for these people and i i I, my inner my inner monologue has now shifted and uh it's like you you've trapped yourself in this this prison um and now you're wearing the head box around it so now i walk around the grocery store and i see those people walking around i go nice head box faggot so (laughs) i just want to thank you for that well you know as we said the reason for starting this podcast is we wanted to bring people together and you know sure some might argue our execution's a little flawed here and there but uh, i think for the most part you know thank you i appreciate you bringing that up yeah i think it's really brought compassion into my life any chance i can just do to put a little bit of positivity and love into the world yeah i never i don't miss a beat you've done it sir you owe yourself one of these (laughs) yep yep 
Everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So, uh, you want to talk about the you-know-whos? Mm, sure. I don't really. I was, isn't that what you were going to talk about today? <laughs> uh, I have, I got some, I'm all over the place. Okay. I brought it all together nice. in the end. I was hoping you would. Okay. Because I, I feel like I've, what I've brought to the table is uh, like some spices that, okay. I, that I can sprinkle in okay. here and there. Well, in my usual uh, ADHD way, I'm all over the map. So you'll have whatever subject you have. I'm sure you're going to be able to shoehorn it on in there with I usually do. little ease. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even doesn't, when doesn't usually bother me. Congruent. <laughs> yeah. It's just how good I am, Matt. So we're going to talk about questions. Because I had a discussion on the importance of questions, and we are going to review a lot of things that we have talked about in the past, and we're going to put it in the context of current events, and then at the very end, I'm going to say that this is, for my case, of why we're going into World War III. Okay? Good. But we're going to talk about questions first, because I had the most insufferable conversation of whack-a-mole, as we have, as we call it, mm-hmm. the other day, where I was just like... I just tapped. I just left. I was like, I can't deal with this because we were talking about just getting this rant, right? And I'm like, well, what you said there is not true, actually. Something about, like, inflation. And they were just like, well, what we really need to do is get off fossil fuels. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. But it's, like, not what we were talking about. And can you please address what I pointed out, what you said is not factually true. I gave you a statistic, a fact, a hard number, and you just moved on to, you know, now... You're ranting about climate change. It's facts versus emotion. <laughs> yes. Round 77. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns in, because you had an experience like this semi-recently, where the amount that you can get people to throw their cars on the table by just going, why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then just, you know, and you don't, I never start these conversations, you know what I mean? But when someone rants at me, they'll just go like, huh. Why is that? And it's just like, I want to see how much you've actually, because there's a very decent overlap between how aggressive someone's opinion is and how much research it seems they have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you just keep going, like, why is that? And if their immediate response to why is that is, are you serious? <laughs> it's a good indication that yeah. they're not bringing the facts <laughs> back at you. <laughs> I, I am serious. I, Dad, why is that? Why? Is it this clown nose that I'm wearing that makes you think I'm not? <laughs> And so when we begin to kind of look at it, as we call it the why is that game, which that's what it is in my head. And mm-hmm. also like a fun part of that game is usually it's just uh, someone very, very, very left that just starts ranting at you, you know, in some inappropriate place. Like, you know, you're at a dinner or something like that. And you're like, oh, dude, really? You're doing this? So you just start going, why is that? And you, you keep track of how many times you say that until they start ranting about Trump. So this one took me three on the third time. I'm like, why is that? And you went right in Trump. I'm like, I don't know why you're bringing up Trump right now because we were talking about an economic policy and he's not the, like, I don't, I don't how'd you get there in your head? You know, like, why is that? Yeah. And I bring this up as, because I'm assuming that most people are not an insufferable nerd like I am and you are that stay up in the middle of the night reading foreign policy papers or peer-reviewed clinical <laughs> medical data, you know, because I love to, like, geek out about this stuff. But when you just have, like, questions, and we're going to go through a bunch of questions, and I want to, like, kind of give this as a way to people that no one likes. Well, some people like confrontation. 
But for the people that know that they're sitting in a spot, they're like, I just, I know I'm ideologically kind of opposed to what's going on. And so it's like, I'm just not going to say anything. Confrontation doesn't put anyone at ease. <sighs> no. It's not an easy thing for anyone. So here's, here's simple questions, right? Um, what do you perceive to be the beginning of the pandemic, the COVID pandemic? What was the year of the pandemic? This is something spring like 2020. 2020, yeah. right? Uh, March, I believe it was. Yeah, spring 2020. I mean, it's called COVID-19 because it was named in the year 2019, mm -hmm. but it didn't really hit anyone, yeah, in, really, impact anyone until spring break. Of like March 20th, I think, was like when the, <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, um, it was the day after St. Patty's Day, I know here, I think that's when the lockdown started. Mm -hmm. So what do you see as beginning the begin like as the beginning of the like the vaccine rollout i'm not trying to like nail you on anything mm -hmm. just like i'm just people you mean date wise not even date year it was 21 21 mm -hmm. yeah it was uh like january i think yeah january 1st oddly enough and we from january Yay! <laughs> 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 the year of the heart attack I've been waiting for this. Uh, by January 1st 2021 to I think believe February 24th I don't know why I retain these exact dates it's such a waste of space in my head but we had been up to 10 billion doses at that point yes go ahead this is a good time for me to completely derail you <laughs> sure. um, the uh, there was a guy that once memorized the phone book to mm. prove that there was not a limit to the number of things that people could memorize. Wow. And it was like a big fucking thick, you know, old school phone books. And he memorized in order names, addresses, and phone numbers of everybody in the goddamn phone book. Holy crap. Yeah. So it's, that's pretty I think impressive. you still have plenty of room. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so at the, uh, at the end of February uh, 24th, 2021, we're up to 10 billion doses. I think currently that number is 13.5 billion. That's as, as of October 2023. So when you have these discussions with people, when you know, you just ask someone that you know, people aren't geeks for this stuff like we are. And we've been ranting about it for what, two, two years now, something right. like that. And you just go to people, just ask questions. Go like, well, so do you think there are any... I don't know, negative externalities associated with the um, COVID vaccine. What are most people around you going to say? No. It's safe and effective. Yeah, no, that it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And then, see, these get fun because you answer the question for them. You say, like, when, you know, when was the COVID, when was the pandemic rollout? I'm like, I don't know, 20, and you go, like, well, like, it's, you know, March 20th or whatever. When's the vaccine rollout? You know what I mean? And you have all this information because I'd like to have fucking receipts if I'm going to have an opinion on something, which is a rare thing I'm finding out. And then facts coming back strong. <laughs> it was against the road, but here come the facts. <laughs> Let's see what emotion does with this. And so then you go, okay, so are you following the excess mortality rates at all? Most people are not. Mm -mm. And so you have to define what excess mortality rate. And you go like, well... Yeah, I can tell you what the clinical definition you measured it was of the increase in number of deaths during a time period, blah, 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 blah. But conversationally, you go like, it's any a death, not in individuals, but in a population that's was kind of unforeseen, right? Right. So perfect. One of the best, one of my favorite podcasts we did is when we had that insurance executive. And he goes, look, yeah, I'm, a, num I'm a numbers guy. 
he's like, I, I'm not political. I don't have an opinion about this. Here are the numbers. He's like, I have no reason to like the house always wins. I'm in the business of making money that if I don't do that, I lose my job. Like I, I can't afford to be political or have thoughts on the vaccine or whatever it is. And he goes, here's the numbers. Like the excess mortality rates are going up. So when you tell these people, they're like, no, I haven't really thought about it. I haven't heard about these excess mortality rates and the vaccine is safe and effective. And that's pretty much all the thinking I put into it. And then you go like, why then with the excess mortality rates going from July, 2022 to July, 2023 and young adults be higher than during that 2020 when you're saying the year of the virus, the most deadly virus, you just ask that question. It's like, these are just simple questions. You can, I'm, not, I'm not telling you. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm just like, and you go like, why is that? I think most people in their mind just gloss it over and say, well, it's because of COVID. COVID killed those people. After the vaccine. After 13.5 million doses. So then the it's, vaccine doesn't work. I'm just using what you're telling It's a pretty easy gloss. Oh, the gloss that these that people use is thick. It's like varnish. It's like the, it's like the gloss on my eyes as they it's, talk to you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude, I'm stuck in this conversation. It can cover up all manner of cracks and gaps and cavities, you know, chasms, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, in their logic. But mm-hmm. that's, it's not hard for people to just kind of lump, lump it in with, it was COVID. Yeah. It's just the, the wave of the hand. It was COVID. Well, people were vaccinated, so then the vaccine didn't work. Like, well, I think uh, it would have been way worse if they weren't vaccinated. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. And then you go, why is that? And then she said, well, Trump wasn't going to do anything. It would have been bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? <laughs> Basically, we're giving a tutorial on how to fucking really annoy people. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about before on, on other podcasts, we're talking about like the skeptic brain, right? <clears throat> and what we pointed out on that discussion is that people kind of conflate the skeptic brain with this knee jerk. Now I don't believe it. Um, or this kind of like negative connotation or, you know what I mean? I just, I don't listen to any authority or whatever. And it's like, that's, that's kind of a myth. That's not entirely true. You know, as we say, everything is a psyop is also a psyop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're wired like that, like, well, that's kind of a psyop in itself if you think about it. Yeah. And with the way we nailed it down is the the skeptic brain, it just gives the brain permission to ask questions as Correct. you're taking information in that I don't I don't take anything wholesale, Mm-mm. you know, that comes my way. And it's like I immediately go like, hmm, okay. Even, even my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. I am skeptical of. Right. You know, my first oh, major, yeah, you know, thought. Well, that's, the, like, <clears throat> that's the internal dialogue that you have. Yeah. You're just like, okay, so what would, be, what would be the argument against what I'm already thinking? Yeah. Or I, I've heard myself think that before. <laughs> Is that true? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. How many people, and I'm, I'm thinking of some specific people right now, uh, how many people actually challenge themselves uh-huh. on their own thoughts? It's pretty fucking rare. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, not to pat myself on the back. It's just that it's, I, my, I am so wired to question that I will question even myself. It's a lot more rare than than I than I definitely had assumed. So then, but you can it can take it towards like something extremely obvious, right? Because you can listen to uh, you 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 flip on the radio. And you're like, yeah, so this actor uh, in downtown Chicago, two in the morning, two guys jumped out, 
with MAGA hats on, said, this is MAGA country, and they poured bleach on him and put a noose around his neck. Two white guys, right? Two, <laughs> two white guys. Uh, actually, and, I believe they were Nigerian <laughs> immigrants. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, you know, the tr- your, your traditional <laughs> Nigerian MAGA, MAGA, guy, MAGA yeah. supporters <laughs> is the, the skeptic brain goes eight seconds into that news report being reported on the news, and you're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, there's just no way that, like, right off the bat. Okay, so uh, let's say, so it's 2 in the morning, middle of winter in Chicago, two guys wearing MAGA hats and happened to have a bottle of bleach and a noose were just waiting for someone who happened to be a famous actor, and he left the noose on while he waited for the cops back at his apartment. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're reporting this as news? <laughs> and... And you go around and talk to people, and people go, God, didn't you hear about that attack? I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, you don't have any questions? Like, this at all seems a little nefarious. That's the skeptic brain, right? And these things exist. So we talk about, we were having a discussion earlier this week about false flags, right? Mm-hmm. Or we talk about the Hegelian dialect or, you know, conspiracy theories. And what I try to explain to people is like, <clears throat> these things exist on like a continuum, Right, it's mm-hmm. like a, it's a like a spectrum. So, what would be an example? Uh, like nine eleven, right? Okay, on one end of the spectrum, nineteen Arab hijackers using box cutters, with, with no flight experience, hijacked a bunch of commercial airliners and flew them into a bunch of buildings. Right, we talked about this last episode. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum. Is at an, on the night before 9/11, Bush and Cheney were wiring debt cord to a bunch of C4 and Tower Seven, uh, so they could get us into the war to go after the agenda of the project for a new century, new American century. Right? That's not the uh, that's not the end of the spectrum. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a few miles short of the end with that summary right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that one. But the point being is that. Both ends of the spectrum are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But our mainstream media reports, and most people believe, the end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it's reported as news, and it never changed. Even when you start pointing things out, like, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense. And people just eventually, they let enough time go by, they're like, eh, what are you going to do? There's no WMDs. <laughs> Moving on. Syria, or whatever the next thing is. And so what I try to explain to people is like, this... This binary way of thinking with, about conspiracy theories or false flags or whatever it is, like you have to kind of break out of that because it, what it does is it creates that spectrum of like all these possibilities. And those possibilities, that spectrum is predicated upon the notion of just asking questions. And that's what's so useful about the skeptic brain. What do you think? 100%. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> useful, I would say, uh, yeah, essential to our existence as a species. Yes. Um. So we were talking about false flags the other day, and we were talking about uh, the Hamas invasion. Here's our, I, can I can't crack a beer <laughs> <laughs> without thinking of what Jake <laughs> says. <laughs> like, I just get so angry. <laughs> I hear you guys crack a beer. I'm driving around listening to the podcast. You guys crack a beer. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. That sounds good. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's 830 in the morning. <laughs> He's got a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Been meaning to talk to him about it. So... We were talking about false flags the other day, and I was like, this whole Hamas thing with Israel, it's got some 
I can't tell you what I think for sure happened. Yeah. Like, it's got some very kind of false flaggy things going on. Yeah. Same thing with 9-11. Like, I, no, I don't think, you know, Bush bombed the tower or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, but there are a lot of questions that never got answered. Mm-hmm. And people wait for enough time to go by. They're like, well, it doesn't really matter. The problem, reaction, the solution, we got the solution we wanted, so we're moving on. It doesn't really behoove us to answer any of your questions, you know what I mean? We got the reaction that we needed, right? So we moved on. What were the things that kind of popped into your mind with the Hamas invasion of Israel? Did anything, like, stand out to you? Well, the very my very first reaction was... I think it was Gertrude who just said that, uh, what do you think about the, what happened in, in Israel? And I had not, it was the first thing I'd heard about it. Yeah. She said, what do you think about what happened in Israel? And I was like, bullshit. (laughs) It's fake. It's all bullshit. No, I didn't really, uh, no, that was my initial reaction was, um, not when she told me, but when I, when I looked into it and Mm -hmm. I saw, I started seeing the, the, the paragliders and the, just kind of like overly sensational nature of this horrible attack, which I do believe happened. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not about to tell everyone that I think the whole thing is fake. Mm-hmm. Um, See, that's when people, when you say it's a false flag, that's why I'm trying to make the point here. Is they yeah. go like, oh, so you think they're like all crisis actors and everything? Well, I was yeah. Like, no, uh, that's one end of the spectrum. If I can detour just for a second, a really good example of a technically what we would call a uh, false flag mm-hmm. under the Liberty tree definition mm-hmm. of a false flag. The ar- we're making up as we go along. The arborist uh, <laughs> definition of what is a f- not or is not a false flag is that um, the sinking of the Lusitania was that the boat was actually sunk. Mm-hmm. Americans died on yeah. that boat. Mm-hmm. The Germans were responsible. Right. What is false flaggy about it is that the Americans knew that they boat was going to be sunk. Right. The British knew, and the Germans knew that the civilians were on that ship. Mm-hmm. And the Germans did everything they could to keep the civilians from Off dying. The ship, right. Down to actually broadcasting mm-hmm. on the radio in America, telling people not to get on the Lusitania. We know that the ship is transporting ammunitions. Right. And by the you know terms of war, that makes it a warship. We are going to sink it. Do not get on this boat. Right. Now, I'm not just saying that that was still right for them to, to sink it, but the Americans went out of their way to um, make sure, and the British made sure that Americans died yeah. on that ship in order to get the Americans <clears throat> into the war. Right. And so you and I being as anti-war as we are, um, for very good reason, by the way, and maybe we'll get into it later. I don't know exactly where you're going with your thing, but if we have time, I mean... We've done an anti-war episode before about, like, specifically why we're anti-war. Mm-hmm. But it is to me, and I think it is to you, the most important issue of our time, and it is Absolutely. being anti-war Absolutely. above all else is kind of our, our principal right. beliefs, right? Um, so when I saw that this shit was going down in Israel, my initial reaction, to finally answer your question, was that, here we go. This is an attempt to get us into a war. Yeah. The shit in Ukraine didn't work as well because it was n- not so, it was very clear cut right. uh, who was at fault, who was, um, what was clear about it? I guess just that it didn't really involve America. And it was just, it just it was clearly a dispute between two countries that we had nothing to do with. There was no reason for us to be involved. Right. Israel 
is our 51st state. And so it's much murkier waters. And Mm -hmm. so when I heard that this was going down, I immediately thought, well, that's what they're doing. They're trying to get us into war. Here comes World War III. And my, my desire then and now is still just please, everybody, just wake the fuck up. It's horrible what happened. It's horrible what is happening. Everything that's happened in that situation is horrible because of the loss of innocent life. Back to the anti-war stance yeah. that we have. It's all terrible. But that does not mean that we should just go close our eyes and just go marching forward into World War Three. Which is, I'm glad you brought up a couple things that um, I think kind of set the table for what we're going to talk about. You were going exactly where I went in my mind in that... That was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, boy. It's like they're losing people or kind of tapering off with Ukraine. And what do you know? Now we have this thing. You also brought up a second point that I think is really important. It was kind of the main point of like the beginning of what I'm saying here is that <clears throat> that false flag also in, also involves something like, no, we're not going to have, you know, can be crisis actors or we're not going to, uh, the little green men of Ukraine, we're not going to have, like, send in the military with different uniforms and start slaughtering our own citizens. It's like, but maybe we've got pretty good evidence that something's going to happen. And what if we just kind of maybe lean back a little bit and just kind of see, like, where the wind takes things? Because that thing that we have intel that is going to happen, well... The solution is what we want, the end. Like, that'll give us the reaction. And we're like, we don't have to do anything, well, which is has very similar to the, the questions that bubble to the surface when you talk about something like 9-11. Can you look at any <clears throat> war that's happened in history and think we would have... Thank God that war happened. Like, the world is better off right. because we had that war. Or here's the two things. And I don't want to hear World War II... Um, Without also hearing World War One mm-hmm. involved, you know, they were kind of the same conflict. It was, and it was like two halves. It, it's just so convenient to say, "Well, there was these, you know, this evil dark force." We had that over brief halftime of uh, that false flag football game, and then it went into <laughs> the second half. I mean, would would World War One not happening, um, or did World War One make the world a better place? I don't see how anyone could say yes. Mm-hmm. I mean it. It led to World War II mm-hmm. and the Nazis, which mm-hmm. is terrible, and the fucking communists. Don't mm-hmm. forget them. Right. Um, but it also did away with... Uh, you talking about the Canadian House of Commons in Parliament? Or the, <laughs> or the actual Nazis? Uh, yeah, it's just one and the same, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, the uh, World War One did away with monarchies mm-hmm. in the world, which... I am not convinced was a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, look what has happened with democracies since then. Mm. Only hundreds <laughs> of millions of people. Oh, we're delivering it being, all over the world. So being killed, day. being killed by their own governments. Yeah. Okay, that's what democracy. That that's the legacy so far of democracy. The legacy of monarchy was not that by a long shot, by any stretch. So I'm not convinced that World War One was a good thing for the world. So. <laughs> Um, you know, what, what war has, has taken place and then left the world a better place at the end. So avoiding war is something that we ought to consider. Yeah. Uh, so you bring up a point and that's kind of what I want to get into is that when you have that skeptic brain and you ask these questions and, you know, I don't stand with Israel or Palestine or the Ukraine or Russia. I don't stand with any, I stand with our country. 
being the only bias I have going into any of these situations is like, we need to just stay the fuck out of it. Like at no point as in the, let's, let's just take the last 25 years, right? Every military conflict we've been involved in. Can you name me one that wasn't based on a lie, something that was totally wrong? And can you name me a country? Exactly. U.S. included that's in a better place when, when we were done doing whatever we were doing there. Exactly. So in other words, when we approach some of these situations like we are with the Hamas invasion of, of uh, Israel, is like con- I was trying to make the point that confirmation bias is not really a thing when you have no bias to confirm in the first place, and that's how we approach these situations. I just go like, okay, what's making sense? What's the history? Like, what's not making sense? And I, and you do too, correct me if I'm wrong, but we gravitate towards, like, the inconsistencies. I immediately start making this checklist of, like, none of this. There's a lot here. I got a lot of questions, and I'd like them answered before someone's going to raise my hand in the air and, t- and I'm going to yell that I stand with Israel or Palestine, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, you need to convince me. You're trying to get me to support what ostensibly is going to end up, just as it always was with our pattern recognition, me supporting financing a mass murder campaign on the other side of the world, which is going to create another, you know, more terrorist, which will be another mass terror, you know, right. mass murder campaign. So you, like, tell me why I, should, right. why, I should, why I should support this. Tell me how completely wiping out Hamas, in this case, mm-hmm. the, the, the situation du jour, right. or wiping out Russia, the let's say, thing. to be not so, uh, such a hot button uh, issue, um, is going to lead to... A more peaceful yeah. world. And I would like to you to uh, provide some receipts that um, go back in history as to the other times that we've done this military intervention that ended up with a more peaceful world. Like that was the right world. decision. Right. For us, for the country we're involved in. Right. Like, yeah. And just name me one. I like it. There's been roughly 13 in the last 20 years. Just show me one that worked out. That's the, the historical, the pattern recognition that I seek so much in these fucking quagmires. So setting the stage when, when we don't have, I don't have that knee-jerk allegiance to whatever, and neither do you. And that, that's what makes us on the fringe, us being anti- as like, I want to stop killing people on the other side of the world. Like, I, that's, that's what I want. You I want fucking bigot. <laughs> fucking <laughs> racist piece of shit. And when we, then we see these incidents happen, and while people are beating the shit out of each other in college campuses, and your neighbor's putting that flag up in their porch, and it's just like, we're on the sidelines going like, they're falling for it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're falling for it again. Like I can't. Yep. I can't. Like this. It's like the memory of a goldfish. It's like I. It's the, it's like the guy we talked what to. What is that? I was like, did did they lie us into Iraq? Yeah. Uh, did they lie us into Pakistan? Yeah. Did they lie us into Afghanistan? Yep. Somalia? Yep. Yemen? Right. Syria? Right. But we got Ukraine right. Yep. yep. Better. We yep. got better <laughs> intel this time. It's <laughs> just like, dude, what is wrong with your brain? Like, yeah, I don't, just like, are you the guy that falls for these scams on the phone? Like, I think it's, it's some form of like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. That, that victim that you're just so tired of being a victim. You finally want to just like, you, you might as well just embrace your, your captor. Yeah. It's like, I just, I'm tired of trying to mentally kind of twist my way out of this situation. Yeah. I just want the government to be right. You know, the head box is not terribly uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it is padded. (laughs) (laughs) Guy's not a monster. (laughs) 
It's made of cedar. It smells <laughs> nice. <laughs> so when Hamas, so let's take that 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 model that we're talking about. Um, when Hamas invades Gaza, like immediately questions start coming up, right? And I'm not, I don't claim to be an expert on that, but apparently I know more than the people that are some screaming about this. Is I first thought, like, isn't this one of the most heavily guarded and, like, technologically advanced borders in the world? And, like, it was breached how many times? Like, 15 times. I'm like, eh. And you see the videos. I'm like, it doesn't look too high tech. I mean, they're plowing through there with tractors and bolt cutters and motorcycles. I'm all, I'm going to look into that. Maybe I have that, like, wrong in my brain. Well, they have an iron dome, Matt. It uh-huh. stops things in the uh-huh. air. Gotcha. Not, not the crack. That's yeah. Gotcha. And it was just like and uh, not that middle strata for the paragliders. It, to, right, right. It which was, they drilled weeks and weeks <laughs> and weeks before the invasion. Don't make me bring up the tourist the industry tourism. again. <laughs> hey babe, I was thinking uh summer we go to the old Gaza border. <laughs> Get a little sun. I hear the paragliding is nice. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, man, murder, murder and death. <laughs> it's so funny sometimes. <laughs> so then I start looking at news articles. Here's from the Times of Jerusalem, March 30. Israel launches most advanced of its kind radar spy satellite to monitor the border of Gaza. Wait, this is when? Uh, this was before. So this is okay. March of 2023. One this satellite? Most advanced of its kind radar spy satellite. But the point being is this wasn't the first satellite they sent in, and it wasn't the border, with very little digging, you can see, is sensors and infrared. Like, it's not just a wall with barbed wire. I'm glad you said digging, because did they go underground <laughs> with their radar? I don't think radar works underground. There were tunnels, Doug. Axios, October 12th. Israel had intel on Hamas activity, but didn't put Gaza border on high alert. From the BBC, October 12th. Israel warned, uh, Egypt warned Israel days before Hamas struck. Egyptian intelligence three days before the invasion told uh, Israel, like, Hamas is planning something, like, now. Like, and they didn't even bother to put that area on high alert. Now I'm going, okay, got some more questions. Like, we'll do some little more digging. And then you start asking, like, okay, we get out in the fringes a little bit. You know, the famous The Rave where they uh, allegedly massacred, I think, like 250 people. Uh-huh. And you look in the history of that, it was called uh, the Nova, the Nova Music Festival, I believe it was called. At the last second, they moved that from its original place where it's supposed to be to that area. And everyone agreed, like, this is, a, that's a really not a good place to do this. Like, it was like a very unsecure place. They're like projecting images on the border wall. <laughs> yes. like, oh my God. This is getting a little <clears throat> morbid, my friend. So then we ask. And I'm not just, we're just asking questions here. This is the questions episode. There's the question, mommy, daddy, questions. Is <laughs> <laughs> you go like, okay, uh, just based on history, you know, would a government or governments either kill or let its own citizens be killed if that would get them into a war that they want to be in? Problem, reaction, solution. Now, the problem that we have is there are a lot of people due to their sycophant, you know, relationship with the state that sees all power hierarchy as infallible and they can't wrap their heads around like, no, that's just barbaric. And then we ask some questions. I'm like, so um, let's just take the U.S. You don't think the U.S. would let its own citizens be killed if it would further 
achieve some geopolitical agenda, like say a war. Like, no. Okay. Would they do that um, to another country? Like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I was like, so they'd be okay with that, but not this other thing. They wouldn't be okay with close to 3,000 Americans dying if it got us, you know, to where we wanted to go according to the project for a new American century. Yeah, but this is what people can wrap their heads around. Yeah, well, but you're talking about our government who are all patriots and love America. Yeah, so not a bunch of random brown people over in some sandy country. Well, they're not just a bunch of uh, people in power that are doing what they do for more money and more power. Mm-hmm. They're doing it because they're patriots. So the, gotcha. it doesn't hold up. A lot different. A lot different. Uh, can I just like, are you going to talk more about that specific thing? Because like yes. the Lusitania was the same thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that was Americans knowing right. that Americans were going to be killed and didn't give a shit because it was more important to go to war than it was to save lives of Americans mm-hmm. to these power-hungry, warmongering... I am so sick of these <laughs> warmongering <you>. pedophiles! <laughs> okay. Because uh, I have a great analogy. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, for that. I don't know if it's great. I should... Damn, it, I oversold it. Okay, a pretty good analogy. <laughs> Can we edit that? Just go back. Yeah. <laughs> I have a pretty middle-of-the-road yeah. analogy for what you're just saying right there. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about this. Like, we all... Okay, so there was a shooting recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are many shootings that we can go back to and look at. And the very obvious explanation for a shooting is that there was just some deranged dude with a gun who told a therapist that wanted that he wanted to shoot up a military base. <laughs> and go like, all right, take two of these and call me in the morning. And so we'll he'll be next up around the brick. Everyone is working for the weekend. <laughs> and, so, and so he did. Just that. And what's the explanation for that? Well, he was deranged. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people look at what's, what happened in Israel as uh, why did Hamas do that? Well, they're deranged. Mm-hmm. They hate Jews. Mm-hmm. That was why they did it. Why did Osama bin Laden fly planes into hated the freedom. Twin Towers? He hated, um, even if it was just he hated Americans and he wanted yeah. to kill Americans. But then you dig just one layer deeper, and the real reason that he did that, according to him, mm-hmm. speaking about Osama bin Laden here, is he wanted to get the United States to react. Right. And to go into the Middle East and get them mired down in some quagmire war and do to them what they did to Russia. But what the and good news is, is it didn't work. And so, <laughs> we were too smart for him. <laughs> smart. And so what was our, what was the U.S. government's reaction? They were like, well, not getting us there. You <laughs> that stupid towel on your head. We're, we're America. We're a little too advanced for that shit. So we were more than happy to oblige him. <laughs> yes. Because like with every conflict, and if you've read uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, um, he goes into great depth on this. There are... People funding both sides of every conflict. War is the goal, mm-hmm. and war satisfies the machine that is, the machine. Is, is pushing for it, okay? Yeah. And so with the lone shooter, yes, okay, he was deranged. But did the FBI know about it? In some cases, yes, they did. Yes, in did many they, cases. Did they stop it? No. Why? Because they wanted the reaction. Right. They were after the reaction. 
Hamas also wanted the reaction. So going and attacking Hamas, nuking Hamas would be, or uh, Gaza, would be exactly, would be more than they could actually, Hamas could hope for. Because what they really want is a further reaction that's going to embroil the entire Middle East in a giant war. And they probably do want to wipe Jews off the face of the earth. And that would be the catalyst for that kind of of, of an event. Hamas has a fraction of the military might that Israel did. Do you, like, yeah, do you think that they really thought that they were going to defeat Israel with their paragliders? No, yeah. obviously not. Are they just deranged lunatics that wanted to kill Jews? Yeah, maybe yeah. some of them were, right? Mm-hmm. But more <laughs> likely what they were doing is what every terrorist does and what our own government does in a lot of trying cases. They're trying to get a reaction. Problem, reaction, solution. And I will say they have a little bit better track record than our government in actually getting what they want. <laughs> That's very true. Have you heard the interview with uh, an Israeli journalist? And former, she's a former IDF member, as everyone in Israel is. Uh, Efrat Fenixen. No. Uh, she was... Her, she was stationed at this border, and her job was to monitor exactly where some of these attacks took place. And she went through the video, and she was, I'll, I'll play a clip for her, but she goes like, none of this makes sense. Like, I used to work at that border. I know the protocols. I know how things are supposed to, I know the technology involved in this. And she she, was, she gave this description here. The people of Israel have been... I don't know if sacrifice is too rough of a word, but we have been sold and sold, uh, out. sold out completely and uh, no help for hours and hours and no military involvement, no police, no arms on the ground. Okay. There's what, a cu- couple things. From? I'll put it in the show notes. It's just, uh, she's, she's on a podcast. like doing okay. that. So, she worked there 25 years ago, and already it was one of the most technologically advanced borders in the world. That was before the internet. She goes, yeah, back then we had to, and I'll, I'll play this and everything, but um, I had to kind of cut this down. It was kind of long. But she talks about that, yeah, you get on the phone, and she goes, if, if there was any movement in that border, any movement, we called Fucking it in. Fucking nail it. <laughs> Call an airstrike. <laughs> <laughs> Is they called in an IDF military ground unit and they would go out there and like identify, you know, what it is or at least try, you know, confirm. So here's her like talking about like how sensitive that system is. So what do you mean when something moves by the fence? How small it can, is something? It can be a pig. It can be a cat moving <laughs> alongside the fence or touching the fence or trying to cross the fence, an animal, they would identify it. They would see it. There so are a, human- cat, a cat gets scrutiny. Would trigger. Yeah, it could trigger the fence. Yeah. And, an <laughs> and 25 years Inserts. later, with internet and with the most sophisticated, high-tech weaponary systems, oh, and there are drones and there are helicopters and there are troopers on the ground and you know there are many things that are supposed to be activated there are various lines of defense and layers of defense that are supposed to be activated when something like that happens so these are the questions that i have immediately with very very little digging i go there's a lot so they breached that border in at least bare minimum 15 different spots and not a single sensor was tripped an alarm was going off. No early warning system was going off. No ground units were deployed. Then you look at the Israeli military, the IDF, was told to stand down for seven hours while these attacks were going on. Because I remember thinking, like, hmm, man, they're 
we're like six hours in and they're still taking hostages and shooting people and everything. I'm like, doesn't Israel have like one of the most like technologically advanced and like organized militaries in the entire world? And like they they were told to stand down. Was were the Uvalde police doing like an exchange <laughs> program in <laughs> Israel during this time? <laughs> It's <laughs> just the idea of the border, like, squirting hand sanitizer on the <laughs> Oh, we're going to hell for this one. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so I put this stuff together, and then, ironically, things start to come full circle, and people go, like, this was this was Israel's 9-11. And I go, like... Uh-huh. Did you say uh, 9-11? <laughs> I was like, I agree with you, but just not the way you think I do. <laughs> Yep. So I, I heard that so many times. It, well, yeah. It's it's like, like, do you guys hear yourselves? <laughs> yeah, the amount of time I had muttering, like, shit, 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 sure is, isn't it? What the fuck? So have we not been down this fucking road before? <laughs> Wake up. we talked about uh went through kind of the notion of the false flag the way it exists on a continuum the idea of possibly letting certain things slide if it we can achieve an agenda a geopolitical agenda that maybe some psychopathic you know government elites want to do like get us into a war and we're going to put this into the background as we i convince you or i pitch my case of to why i think that we're going into a world war world war three but yeah, I uh, I don't being the eternal optimist. I don't believe mm-hmm. we are. I think I just don't want to believe we are. But uh, my initial reaction to all this was just like yours was just that uh, this is quite possibly the <coughs> beginning of World War Three, and we should do everything in our power to resist it, even if that means um, before. Look, I think that the. Anyone that kills an innocent person deserves to die. Okay, that's my hardline stance. If you kill an innocent person, you deserve to die. If you if you do it on accident, okay, maybe there's some leeway there. But if you intentionally murder people, you deserve to die. So therefore, in this situation with Hamas attacking Israel, Israel does deserve to kill the people responsible, I think. But if if pumping the brakes and maybe not doing it right away... And maybe having even a trial or something like that right. prevents World War Three from breaking out. Then, for fuck's sake, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're doing that. We're not going to just fly off the handle and go mur- go kill these people, potentially murdering innocent people in the um, whatever you call it the 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 shit that happens around the main thing. The <laughs> collateral damage. Thank you. <laughs> um, then you know, f- fucking. <laughs> Just stop. We're not. Yeah. I'm as dictator of the world. No, I'm sorry. You have to wait. You have to settle things down before you go forward with this because we're not doing World War Three. And I know you're probably about to get into this, but we've talked about it before. Why do they want World War Three? It's 
not for anything good. Okay, it's not to set the world right. It's not right. for righteousness. Okay, it, we're not spreading democracy. No, that's not a thing. They're gonna reset our currency. <clears throat> they're going to strip everyone of their rights. Freedom is the enemy of the elites that mm-hmm. are in power all over the world. By the way, not just in America, even though America is probably the the last bastion of hope that we have. They're going to use this it's the to, closest to fuck you. Even if you aren't even if you're not even involved in this war in any way, this is going to come home to you, and this is going to fuck you as well as it fucks everyone else that actually is involved in the physical fighting. That was a beautiful intro for what I'm about to talk about. Thank you. Mm-hmm. God, would it kill you to give me a compliment now and again? I just gave you one. I, I might have more than one. Okay. It's a... Uh, I don't like that hat. So, um, <laughs> I remember during COVID and the summer of love, as Nancy Pelosi called it, and I think this might be unique to people like us to some extent, but I remember thinking this. I remember talking to my wife and going... You know, you really have to kind of stop and think about that we are born into this kind of illusion of safety and uh, of great extravagance and wealth relative to the rest of the world. And you Mm -hmm. got to think about that. All of this around us, you know, I can take my phone out, whatever I want. I can get some a product here, you know, at my front door by dinner time. I can go down the store. I know whatever I want is going to be on the shelf. I know I wake up in the morning and I flip on the switch. The lights will go on. I'm gonna get my shower and hot water will come out. I can go down to, even though I don't really necessarily have the money, uh, I was talking to you about this earlier, is like just, I can go down to the local truck dealership and like, I want a $90,000 Ford Raptor and we're going to move some numbers around and I I will drive off the lot with a brand new truck, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and I remember telling my wife, like, you really got to think about sometimes about like how fragile that balance that this all this is kind of built on because there's nothing set in stone declaring that, all this just keeps operating the way it is now. Right. And we saw the cracks in the foundation with the summer of love, Nancy Pelosi, and you know, the COVID lockdowns. And we just saw like it doesn't take a whole lot for like things to kind of start falling apart. And that's something that maybe I'm just kind of wired from darker matter, you know, relative to the to the next guy. But it's something that I think about all the time, right? <clears throat> so you think about that within like the context of I've been doing a lot of reading on empires, right? And are you familiar with a guy named Daniel Gasner? No. Cancer. Sorry. Dan- oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Danny Boy, yeah. Call him Danny. Hell of a golfer. Um, he 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 puts all this within the concept of like imperialism and the the notion of empires, because I'm not saying that the entire nation state doesn't disappear, but as they existed within the context of an empire, it does disappear, right? He talks about, it's just like, it's like life, right? You have a, a human being, it's born, it thrives, it has its peak, and then it just starts that kind of dissension. Now, some empires... And then it gets elected president. Then it, gets, yeah. <laughs> then it shits its pants in the Vatican, and then it becomes president. <laughs> All right, thanks for everyone listening. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. So, but he talks about that, you know, even the empires that don't die, they still exist as, like, minimalist kind of shells of themselves. So we talk about, like, the French and the British used to control, you know, large parts of Africa... Now they don't. There's still a country, though, right? The French used to call uh, the c- control Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Now they don't. The Dutch used to control Indonesia. Now they don't. The Spanish used to control almost all of South America. Now they don't, except for uh, Uruguay and Argentina, where everyone 
started having blonde hair and blue eyes in the 40s for some reason, but we'll get into that in podcast for another time. Point being that as far as like empire is concerned, like there's no stasis, there's no static entity, right? There's nothing ensuring just like this, like I was saying with my personal life, how this system, everything works, that our empire is guaranteed some like, you know, mandatory existence. And we always hear the phrase, you said this before, like it's just becoming increasingly kind of glaringly obvious that, you know, this country's best days were behind it. Mm -hmm. Would you not agree? Absolutely. Right. I mean, just look at inflation, just look at uh, quality of life, you know what I mean? <laughs> Education rates, and I'm not trying to be like dour, everything's kind of going to hell guy, but these are things that like you kind of need to pay attention to. <clears throat> so do you, let's look at the way that basically these nation states, the way that they're kind of divided now under United Nations. We have 193 states. That's everybody. U.S., Japan, China, Mexico, Germany, Nigeria, and so on. But you have to realize that cancer points out that it's important to realize like how not all of these nation states are of equal power. So, okay, now we're looking at NATO. NATO being, what, 30 countries? We just added Finland, so we're at 31 countries. Now, these NATO countries, and he, he brings this up because he does a lot of work on, like, propaganda and things like that. He goes, <clears throat> so we take these NATO countries, out of those 193 countries, we have these 31 that make up NATO, and roughly, what's, what's the population of the planet? It's like, what, 8 billion? Yeah, around I think, there. something like that. <clears throat> okay, these NATO countries make up 1 billion people, uh, like, just population-wise, out of mm -hmm. all these countries. Now, when we talk about NATO, it's like we're wholly talking about North America and Europe, mostly Western Europe. Mm -hmm. He goes, what I don't think in this cancer guy is from uh, Switzerland, which is not a NATO country, but surrounded by NATO countries. And he points out the fact, he goes, I don't think a lot of people in these NATO countries realize <clears throat> that the propaganda that they're getting, the New York Times, the AP, the UK Guardian, you know what I mean, CNN, Fox News, is those are all, the vast majority of that media is coming from these NATO countries. And there's certain conversations, they're, all those conversations are, same, are, are, are framed in specific ways, right? And he's like, I don't think the people in these NATO countries, because they're immersed, you know, I think like... Um, yeah, I'm worldly. I also read the UK Guardian. Same, yeah. fu same fucking people. Yeah, same the, fucking the BBC. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I listen to the BBC. I mean, he's got an accent. The guy must be on the sun. Same people. And the news is coming from the same people. He goes, they, I think these people in these NATO countries, and I have the, you know, this is Ganser talking. It's like, I have the benefit of being in Switzerland, which is not a NATO country. And he's all, I mean, this dude speaks Italian, speaks German. I mean, he's just all over the place. All Swiss too. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, my people, by the way. They're better than us. My, my yeah. people, by the way. Okay. <laughs> they're better than me. <laughs> and he talks about, you, you speak, uh, what, uh, English? English and, uh, uh, pig Latin and, okay. uh, yeah. A jive. I speak jive. Okay. <laughs> So they, he, he goes, I don't think these people in these NATO countries realize that a lot of these conversations about global events are taking place in like completely different kind of contexts, right? So he's saying, <clears throat> uh, what's an example? So if we're here in the U.S. and I go, we look at the footage of 9-11, as we were discussing earlier, and I go, it kind of looks like a controlled demolition. You're on the fringe. Everyone in the room is turning there like, what? 
Like, dude, don't. It looks nothing like a controlled yeah, don't demolition. Don't say something like that. And he goes, I don't think these people realize that in places like, you know, India, Brazil, Russia, people outside of these NATO countries, they are having those discussions. They are going like, looks like a controlled demolition. They're like, yeah, it does. It really does, doesn't it? That is considered like a normative kind of conversation to yeah. have. He's like, people in these NATO countries, they don't realize that these conversations are going on. <laughs> so... Or if we go... That's fascinating. Yeah, so if we go into... Can you call one of your Swiss relatives right now? I want to uh, ask him. I think my parents are there right now, actually. Oh, really? Dude, <laughs> fucking call them. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Let's have our producer do it. Um, or if, you know, if you're you know at, at, in, in these NATO countries and you go like, oh, why do we invade Iraq again? And it's like you get this... <laughs> It's an amalgamation of, well, you know, WMDs and yeah, he hated freedom. There's something about like 9-11. And you go to the outside of these NATO countries and you go like, why did the U.S. invade Iraq? Like, uh, they were trying to prop up the U.S. hegemony and uh, they kind of wanted to just destroy and rebuild the, the U.S. and or the Middle East and their image, you know, to keep the uh, kind of global superpower foothold in that region. Everyone goes like, yeah, yeah. Th- those are the conversations that are going ahead. And we don't realize that those are going on. Right. Yeah. What are known to us is like fringe conspiracy theories, for example, as, as far as it applies to global superpowers. It's like there's, you know, seven billion other people having an entirely different conversation and we dismiss them as just being, you know, because they're in the third world yeah, or the they're brown or seven billion, yeah, whatever <laughs> it is. So are you following what's going on with BRICS? Yeah. Okay. You BRICS know, the, being... Uh, uh, Brazil, Russia, China, India, South Africa, South Africa. Yeah, yeah. That's one. That's one I always. I didn't say in order. In case anyone was writing that down. <laughs> so when you take these five countries, Econo- now, an economic alliance, just to right. Finish what I said. Correct. Yeah. And so of these countries, the BRICS right now, which are just these five, are now we have a population of three three billion people. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have NATO with one billion, BRICS with uh, three billion. Now. Where this is when I fi- when I learned this, I did. I was pretty. I was like, why have I not heard this? Well, I guess I did hear it. <laughs> I was like, I don't think a lot of people realize this. We talk about the importance of like, like okay, we're gonna take a side street here real quick. Is I talk about the importance of looking at whatever current issue that we that we go on, and we're kind of gifted with, um, you know, the bias of not having a bias, right? I don't stand with Russia. Or I don't stand with Ukraine either. I don't stand with Palestine. I don't stand with Israel. I don't. I don't stand with China. I don't stand with Taiwan. I like. I don't stand with anything. Like I want the U.S. I'll start with the U.S. I, I'd love if everyone stopped killing each other. That'd be great. But let's just work on the U.S. People the stop dying. Yeah, dying. To quote your kid, is I want people to just envision take like taking your kind of ideological hot air balloon and just go up another hundred feet, right? Expand the timeline like right. just a little bit. Right. Get out of the mire of this current thing that's totally. being shoved down your throat. Cause so cause think about that maybe the question that is being posed to you so aggressively every day is fucking bullshit to begin with. That would be like, do you stand with Palestine or Israel? Like, maybe the question is like, why the fuck do I stand with either one of those places? Yeah. Like, what, what does that have to do with me? Like, why? Why, stand with why Pal- do I have to stand with either one? Do you stand with Palestine or Israel? Why don't you go fuck yourself? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I said box. <laughs> All right. That's okay. We're gonna we're putting more love into the world. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's compassion. That's what we're about here. <laughs> 
So Bricks, which is now no longer going to be called Bricks, is looking to expand in January 2024. So in two months. And there it's going to include Iran, Saudi Arabia, Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, and the UAE, and a bunch of other ones. So now they're Ethiopia looking. Ethiopia is a pretty heavy hitter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really stacking the all deck that, in their favor. All that UNICEF money I collected <laughs> as a school kid. Apparently <laughs> they enriched a bunch of all uranium with it. African warlords really uh, <laughs> putting their foot on the scale there. <laughs> Two percent of our population got my UNICEF job. <laughs> <laughs> we are the world. <laughs> oh, dude, Chandler from Friends died last night. I heard that's just a shame. Yeah, you know he uh, died suddenly. Really? Well, he I, wasn't outspoken I, about the vax. Let's let me. Just he was a little bit. He was very outspoken about the vax. Was he? Do yeah, you know yeah, that? Yes, Provax. Yes, very Provax. So I, everything I'm about to say came from my mother-in-law. So grain of salt here. Mm. Uh, apparently, he was he he drowned. That's how he died in a swimming pool. Okay, <laughs> which hey, is very you. rare unless you're a two-year-old. Yeah, and the <clears throat> most likely culprit for someone that drowns is cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. In, in in swimming pools. Yeah. Uh, also for my mother. That's what I said. But yeah. Yeah. My wife said <laughs> she, I don't know why she did this to me, but it, it was seven in the morning. She I, was, do you know I, Matthew Perry died? I didn't know why she did. I was like, I don't know who that is. She goes, a guy from France. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm a heart attack. She goes, no, he drowned. Well, uh-huh. So heart attack then. I'm all, <laughs> I asked him all, he drowned. He goes, she goes, yeah, he couldn't swim. I was like, was he whitewater rafting? Like, <laughs> where did he drown? Like in his pool. I'm like, that's a heart attack. She goes, well, and his she, pool. And then it his, was his pool. Yeah. She, yes. <laughs> and then she went on this, like, took me on this journey. She goes, so he had this little uh, floaty raft, and she like described the floaty raft, and then I, I guess uh, it popped, and he was trying to claw his way. <laughs> I was like, really? She goes, nah, yeah. I just made all that. No. I was like, yeah, okay, heart attack. <laughs> I had a heart attack and drowned. Okay, so now here we are with the bricks, not the bricks anymore, but this it's looking to over double their side, right? Now, the problem with that is, <clears throat> is that what this means for the U.S. in our lifetimes, we're used to us being the global superpower, mm-hmm. now has a new contender in the ring because everyone talks about China. It's like it's not just China. It's China with the context of bricks. It's China and most specifically the UAE and, the Saudi, Ara- and Saudi Arabia because I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this, but after we went off the gold standard in 1971 in Europe, What's the just the one thing that's like barely propping up our fiat currency? Yeah, or well, the world's currency, the the petrodollar. Petrodollar. Yeah, R- correct. Which has turned, by the way, Americans into spoiled rich kids who mm-hmm. don't have to do anything anymore but sit around and just collect a check from daddy, mm-hmm. daddy petrodollar. And I mean, what is it that we make in America? Money. Mm-hmm. That's all we make. We print money. Make some good death metal. That's the, yeah, it's not the best. Tacos? Yeah, definitely the best tacos. <laughs> Better than Mexico. So, yeah, uh, you know what? I stand corrected. We're doing okay. <laughs> doing all right. I'm saying all is not lost. No, I just, I do want to say, though, that, like, we we do not deserve, like, the spoiled rich kids that don't deserve the luxury that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who have never created anything in their life. They're just wealthy because their parents are wealthy. That's who America is, and we really do deserve to be taken down a peg. I think America can get back there. We're a very unique country. We're unique geographically. We're unique philosophically. Um, but we are a long ways away from where I completely, America used I completely to be. completely agree with you. Yeah. I think that, that we really should do our best to make America great again, so, if you will. <laughs> Not that I'm a Trump is, supporter. Is there a subway around here? <laughs> Let's go beat someone's ass. <laughs> is also, besides the petrodollar, which directly kind of bolsters up our fiat currency, is the only other thing, this doesn't directly bolster up our currency, but is the presence and the proliferation of our U.S. military. Just yeah. the might. So in that notion, like, we're just that oversized senior. <laughs> we're the rich kid who spent all the money that dad gave him on guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than my metaphor, so we're just going to leave it there. <laughs> so question. We're asking questions. Questions. That's all we're doing here. Daddy. So the... Let's just think of the U.S. here. Does it currently seem in the last few years that every geopolitical decision has made a step in the direction of creating wars or trying to deter them in the last few years? Yeah, the answer is obvious. Okay. So now we have three of the big... So I start looking into oil exportation rates because it's what I do in the middle of the night is we have three of the biggest exporters, actually four out of ten, all joining the BRICS consortium. So Saudi Arabia at $138 billion a year, Russia at $113 billion a year, the UAE at $58 billion a year, and Iraq at $72 billion a year, and who some might make the case that Iraq might have a slight bone to pick with the U.S. after we killed 500 million of their, or 500,000 of their innocent civilians. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they forgot about it. I mean, the people that are in power are probably stoked So the U.S. did that. Another question, right? We're asking mm-hmm. questions here. Just asking questions. Is it outside the realm of possibility that after these nation states align under the BRICS banner, that they at least begin to pontificate of what benefit these nation states, after they align under the BRICS banner, would have if they no longer trade on the petrodollar? Second question. And what would that do to the U.S. dollar, thus the U.S. economy? Sure. Right? I think that is the, the, the war that is actually going on right now. Yeah. The, that, the that's what I think. Behind the scenes. Yeah. In and, fact, sorry to yep. don't mean to derail you, but uh, did you listen to, what's his name? Uh, David Bowie? Clint Ru- <laughs> Yeah. He not the it. Ziggy Stardust <laughs> era, but you know, prior. Yeah, was that? I like the la- I was a kind of a later More guy. Later guy? Mo- okay. Modern love, yeah. Okay. Was, what were you saying? Um, no. Did you listen th- to <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Luongo, I think, on uh, Liberty Lockdown? No. When he was talking about the battle that is raging right now between the U.S. dollar and the euro. Ah. Um, because there is no BRICS currency. No. Currently. Right, that's not a thing yet. Um, but his point was that, yes, the Fed is evil, and we should do everything we can to you know, stop fiat currency from being a thing. But it's 
it's evil, and it'd be even worse if the fiat currency that dominated the world was mm-hmm. the euro. Right. It'd be worse for Americans, right? And so this this battle is raging, like, behind the scenes, and, you know, we don't... You have to be a bigger nerd than we are to really understand yeah. what's you know at stake with all this currency battles and stuff. You but, can get lost in the weeds real yeah. quick when you get into the currencies and the fiat currencies and how... Our central banking system works. It's interesting, though, <laughs> to you know realize, being the skeptics that we are, that everything we think we know, like it, it, you hit these roadblocks. You're like, wow, I didn't really actually think about. Maybe as bad as the petrodollar is, and as bad as printing money is in the central banks, it could actually be worse. And removing those from the the scene mm-hmm. isn't uh, just a, a stop. You know a, a uh, solution right. in and of itself. Yeah. So, anyways, sorry. So I, I think you brought up a good point earlier in that, and I I kind of likened it to the idea of ripping off the Band-Aid. I'm all, you know, I'm born, I always feel like I, I basically won the lottery by being born where I was and the time I was. 100%. In, in, in like the greatest country in the world. I, totally. I still think it is the greatest country in the world and it just has a lot of fucking problems and a lot of things. Oh, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> true. It could have been born in Angola. <laughs> is life of decadence and convenience and safety and luxury that we're born into does come at a cost. And that cost is being leveraged by American imperialism, what we do in these other countries of you know, bolstering up American, pre- you know, the presence in the Middle East, for example, which we can only get there by having a war. So if we stopped and I'm anti-war, and I'm anti-American imperialism. I always have been. It made me a leftist hippie 20 years ago. Now it makes me a mega supporter for some reason. But that would make things more expensive and more inconvenient and maybe more volatile and more chaotic here in the U.S. And I'm okay with paying that price if that can eliminate us financing mass murder campaigns on the constant mass murder campaigns over and over, overlapping wars. Like, how many how many wars have we been in in the last 20 years? I'm okay with that price that if I go to the store, all of a sudden you know, they don't have bread for a couple of days or whatever the minor inconvenience is relative to the rest of the world, I'm okay with that. Like, if we start making stuff here again and it gets expensive, it costs $900 to get a new washer, but my washer was built in the state that I live in, Right. That, I think that's a great idea. It's going to make it's going to get us away from this consumerist bullshit culture of just planned obsolescence and buying bullshit fucking products from China or Vietnam or whatever it is that last for two or three years, and then they go to a fucking landfill, and we just keep this like ridiculous like system going of just like junk going through us, right? And just mm-hmm. wasting my spending, as George Carlin said, money we don't have on shit we don't need. Yeah, and. Do you want to explain real quick? Because now here we are with Israel, well, Ukraine, Russia, Israel, Palestine, now Iran, and Syria, who we just started bombing over the weekends. We started bombing Iranian. Yeah. And you said something beautiful, not beautiful, macabre. (laughs) Beautiful, 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 (laughs) macabre. 
is that you're like, they're not even trying anymore. Remember, there used to be like uh-huh. a PR campaign where Obama would come out and go like, look, folks, you know, there's a red line to be drawn in the sand. And you're like, yeah. uh, like, no, 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 no. He's talking about fucking bombing another country. It's like, you know, but most people bought it. Like, here we are now. They're like, <laughs> just fucking start no. sending drones over there. No, they don't have to try anymore. Yeah. It's like, and honestly, I think that this is good for us. I think that the administration that's in control right now that's doing all this shit is the worst version of the presidency in the White House that we've ever seen. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're not good. Everyone that they have in their, uh, like, that's in the front that we that we look at and that we, we interact with. Yeah. They're point men. Is are the worst. Yeah, they're not good. Like they're there for their immutable characteristics. They're not there for any sort of skill. Yeah. And so when it comes to them, all of a sudden they're bombing Syria. They they probably wanted some sort of reason and justification and propaganda to do it, but they couldn't find anyone that was smart enough to put something together. Yeah. At least with George Bush and Hillary Clinton and Obama, like they were sharp enough to try to put together some sort of a campaign yeah, as Donald, to why. Donald you know, Rumsfeld and Rahm Emanuel yeah. and the Dick weapons Cheney, of mass destruction. And John Bush. The red line is gassing his own people in Syria. And now they're just like, "Ah, you know what? We just, I don't know. Can we just... Can we just start bombing? Yeah, just fucking bomb it. I, no one's going to actually be able to put together a coherent message to people. We just don't have the, we don't have the horses, you know. Yeah. Just just go and bomb. Just, just, just yeah. go more. Which I think it. works in our favor because people are, they're, for one, they're used to the, the propaganda. Right. And so they're a little bit more uh, impervious to its effects. Yeah. Right, they're shielded from the effects of propaganda. Yeah, thanks to all the previous propaganda and the the internet and people's awareness of what's going on in the world is much more heightened. I agree with that. Now yeah. people are much more tuned in. People are aware that the mainstream media is lying to them. People have all sorts of other places that they can get uh, their media from, and they're you know just all the, the Twitter lying. They're the the the, the Twitter uh, collusion with the government is kind of just spiked people's spidey sense. Yeah. And so... And there's more and more people coming in line as we say, like, uh, we deserve better psyops than this guy. It's like, you exactly. at, least, at least make the effort. <laughs> exactly. Tell us on some bullshit propaganda. And as I had this discussion to bring it back around with this friend in this marathon long whack-a-mole session, is I thought it was funny, is every time he talked about the left, he called them anti-war. And every time he talked about the right, he called them isolationists. And I pointed that out to him. I'm like, you know, I've noticed something is that I'm anti-war and I'm anti-foreign military intervention, and I'm definitely anti-American imperialism. I was like, but you you frame these things in two different ways. I mean, he's a demented... I'll I'll edit that out. He's a uh, full-on, like, left sycophant, you know what I mean? And, like, sit there, and he'll just read off articles on the Huffington Post, you know, while I'm there. I'm like, I just, I'm not interested in hearing this stuff. But I started thinking about this as Israel ramps up their military campaign towards the Iran-supported Palestine, and the U.S. just conducted these drone strikes on the Iranian-backed military targets in Syria, and Syria not already, you know, already not the hugest fans of the U.S. or Israel. Or as one observer puts it, he's like, the fact that the new commercials for the Army and the Marines are showing straight white males again, that should concern you <laughs> as it pertains to, like, a possible draft or something coming up. 
And I just started thinking, putting all this stuff together, looking at our economy, looking at our fiat currency, and looking at this new consortium of these BRICS nations building. And I just thought, like, well, Iraq, Pakistan, Somalia, Yemen, Syria, Afghanistan, Ukraine, Russia, Israel, Palestine, Iran, Syria. And then you go, like, you know, history might not repeat itself, but it sure as shit fucking rhymes. Yeah.